Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. The road to Roland Garros has reached its destination. Welcome to TC Live from the 2023 edition of Roland Garros. We are presented by our friends at LoopNet. And as the tennis world returns to Paris, hope springs eternal. It is the season of life in the city of love. All things are once again possible, and that includes making history. But will the new season allow fresh talent to spring forward? Iga Sviantek returns as the women's defending champion, hoping to claim her third title on the Terbetu and maintain her dominance at the top of the women's game. A young Spaniard is the top seed on the men's side. Sound familiar? 20-year-old Carlos Alcaraz plays his first major as the world number one. And Novak Djokovic has Grand Slam history on his mind. He comes in with more major singles titles than the rest of both draws have combined. Currently tied atop the men's all-time list with Rafa Nadal at 22, the Spaniard will be missing for the first time in nearly 20 years. His statue will forever stand guard outside Fort Philippe Chatrier, but the man who has won this event a record 14 times was forced to give up the throne this year. Our kingdom, it remains the same. We are once again located in the shadows of Chatrier, in between courts three and four on our FanDuel Tennis Channel desk, Steve Weissman, so happy to be back alongside the Hall of Famer, 11-time Roland Garros champion Martina Navratilova, former world number six, three-time Roland Garros quarterfinalist Chanda Rubin, and former pro, our global correspondent, the one and only Prakash Amitraj. Great to be with here with everybody back in Paris for another year, the 20th anniversary of Tennis Channel. But, unfortunately, we don't have the man himself, Rafa Nadal. Martina, what's it going to be like to have Roland Garros without Rafa? A massive, massive hole. When somebody dominated a, a tournament as much as Rafa has dominated this for almost two decades, it's been Rafa Nadal against the field. Now everybody thinks they have a chance to win because Rafa's not here. Even though he hadn't been playing, still, it's a massive, massive hole that nobody can fill. Yeah, I think as an audience member, I mean, look, for, for countless years, we've always associated Roland Garros with Rafa, Rafa with Roland Garros. So many people come here just to get that bucket list hope of being able to catch him on a court over here. And then on the player side of things, all of a sudden, just emotionally, you feel, wow, you know what, there is this huge big chance. But I think once you step away from it a little bit, it is one person in a 128 draw. And a lot of these other players who are playing great, you know, they feel they're playing great tennis. They have a shot to win. So once they kind of settle in, maybe, uh, maybe it doesn't affect them too much as they go after their own glory here. I think, you know, to your point, Prakash, you know, there are people who are coming maybe to Roland Garros for the first time and thought they might get a chance to see Rafa Nadal. He's so synonymous with this event. But I think on the flip side, you have players that are maybe saying, you know, now there's a little more of an opening for somebody else to win. Maybe I have a little better shot uh, at this tournament now. And I think that is, you know, what is the offset. But certainly Rafa Nadal will be well missed here this year. Roland Garros without Rafa is like a French bakery without croissants. Nonetheless, Nonetheless, here is what the players had to say about Nadal's absence. The tournament is for sure going to feel different, you know, every two days before you, you could watch Rafa play on TV because they would show him for sure. They, he would play on center court. Um, and this year it's not going to be the same. Uh, without him might be a new winner, who knows. With him it was a little or a lot less chances for this. So it's definitely different. I always cheered for him, and this time um, it, he's not going to be here, so um, so it's going to be a little bit harder for me to find my favorite, you know. On the other hand, obviously it's sad, and we all wish that Rafa would play here. I felt bad, you know, when I heard uh, that uh, Rafa, he was not uh, able to play here in, in Ranga Ross and uh, probably uh, the rest of the uh, of the year, you know. He, as I said before, as a fan of, uh, of tennis, uh, as a fan... <laughs> yes, I said, uh, as, a, as a fan, you know, uh, I always uh, to watch Rafa playing. You know, I always want to watch the best 
players in, uh, in the world. And for more perspective on Rafa Nadal missing Roland Garros this year, the fifth member of our TC Live preview show team, John Wertheim, joins us from outside Port Philippe Chatrier. Great to see you, John. You too, Steve. Thanks. This is a spot on the plaza where the famed Rafa Nadal statue sits. Sadly, that is as close as fans will get to Rafa this year, missing this event for the first time since 2004. We figured this was as good a time as any to take inventory of everything the man has achieved here. It had become both an annual rite of spring and a bit of sporting comedy. Rafa Nadal would prepare to take the court at Roland Garros. The stadium announcer would introduce him, but first he'd draw a deep breath as he prepared to kick off the years of Nadal's titles. 2005, 2006, 2007. On he would go, a filibuster of success as the crowd giggled at the absurdity. After Nadal won last year, he was up to 14 titles in Paris, and even deeper breaths required before taking them off. But we won't get that pre-match announcement this year. Ten days before the tournament, Nadal announced his absence from the field, the hip injury he suffered in Australia stubbornly unhealed. This will mark the first French Open that Nadal has missed since his winning debut in 2005, the same week he turned 19. The start of a diorama of dominance, studded with pirate shorts, muscle shirts, offense, defense, battles with Federer and Djokovic. If the court is missing its king, there are flecks of hope. He spoke already with Amelie. Nadal announced his withdrawal, but not his retirement from tennis. If rest, rehab, and modern medicine cooperate, he'll be back for a final season in 2024. He'll turn 38. 38, the week of the 2024 Roland Garros event. But so long as he takes the court, and so long as that event will be played on clay, he'll be a contender. Tennis's boss on a last chance power drive to win number 15. 14 titles, 112 and 3. Can we all just share a laugh about that? On a hopeful note, Nadal says he hopes to return. This is a stubborn, persistent injury. He's stubborn and persistent, too. He doesn't want his career ended by injury. He wants to go out on his terms. I talked to his camp just this week. They said, look, he's out on the court. He's still having light practices. We just don't know when he's coming back. But he is going to try his hardest to come back in 2024 at a minimum. Back to you, Steve. All right, thank you so much, Danya. We hope to see him here maybe twice next year, not only playing Roland Garros, but the Paris Olympics in 2024 as well. We'll have more on Rafa throughout the show as well as the entire tournament here on Tennis Channel. Uh, only two humans on the planet have ever defeated Rafa Nadal here at Roland Garros, and one of them, Novak Djokovic, has a huge opportunity here this year. He has an opportunity now for the first time in history to take the lead in the men's all-time major list He's never done that. He's got 22. He can get to 23, Martina. What would that mean in the GOAT race? Well, look, uh, pressure is a privilege, as Billie Jean King said, so famously said. Uh, 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 Djokovic is playing for the history every single time he steps on the court, every single major. But he's got four dibs at it every year. So that takes some of the pressure off because he knows there'll be another major. But still, when you're playing for history, it weighs heavily on yeah, I think, you know, the question with Novak Djokovic, we're all kind of wondering where will he be physically. Maybe hasn't quite had the continuous matches, played quite at the level we would have necessarily expected coming into this event. But maybe that gets him a little bit fresher. Maybe he's a little more ready because he certainly understands what it takes to win here. He knows how to play three out of five sets, match in and match out on the dirt. And I think that's a huge advantage. And so you can never count him out from that perspective. And we're all kind of waiting for that match matchup potentially between him and Carlos Alcaraz. I mean, that would be a blockbuster, but it's the history, as Martina, as you mentioned, that's at stake every time he walks out onto the court, and I think he rises to the occasion when that is the case. No, no, you said it, Chan. That would be really special if they're able to play in the semis over here. Uh, look, I still like Novak as, as the top choice here because, as you talked about, there's, there's a different pacing that comes along with best of five sets, not just physically, but sort of mentally, spiritually, to be able to hang in there, as we saw when he came back from two sets to love down against Steph in the final just a few years ago. So for all of those reasons, I still like him as the favorite. I am curious how Rafa not being here may affect him because for so long they've pushed each other. 
sort of, you know, just Rafa in the back of his mind there, forcing him to play just that little bit better. You know Rafa's there chasing you. You know you're there chasing him. He said Rafa is my greatest rival. So the fact that Rafa's not there, is that going to have any kind of emotional impact on him? Curious to see, but uh, still the man in my eyes over here. Yep. Not only would he get to 23, he would be the first man in history to win all four majors at least three times. Right. Uh, that really would set himself apart. So we've talked about Rafa, we've talked about Novak Djokovic. We haven't even gotten to the top two seeds on the men's side, Carlos Alcaraz and Daniil Medvedev. Carlos Alcaraz, the 20-year-old who won the U.S. Open last year, playing his first major since then, he missed the Australian Open, is actually... The betting favorite, according to FanDuel, Chanda, what do you think of those odds? I mean, when he comes in winning a couple of the clay court lead-up events, big tournaments, playing the way he's played, he's already got a major under his belt. He has been you know, playing very comfortably at number one in the world. I think that's fair to call him a betting favorite, certainly. You know, it's a different task, though, getting it done here at Roland Garros, and he hasn't quite shown the ability to do that match in and match out. But I do think he's playing the kind of tennis this year that could potentially put him in that position and how huge would it be he's such a dynamic player so much fun to watch and he's one of those players starting to fill whatever void we may be feeling uh, from Rafa Nadal not being being here he's one of those players that's starting to fill it mm. yeah I think a lot we were wondering what's going on when he lost to a player ranked outside top 100 in Rome but he has been one of the steadiest players out there and this quality of play has been just outstanding so I think that was just a small hiccup and I yeah He's, he's a massive favorite. Not a massive but he's definitely one of the favorites. Yeah. One uh, of the favorites. Uh, he, he's, he's right up there with, with, with Novak Djokovic uh, and potentially Medvedev. Medvedev as well. Daniil Medvedev went from despising the dirt to dominating yep. on it. I mean, how about taking the Rome title, first clay court title for Kosh. Uh, this is a guy who did not like playing on this surface for a very long time. He defeated Stefano Tsitsipas. He defeated Holger Runa. What impressed you the most about that performance? Well, I'll tell you something. I, I, the last thing I want to do is play golf with him because he's probably going to tell me his handicap's 25. <laughs> Get out there. He's probably a single-digit handicap. You know, maybe this whole clay is not my best friend. I don't feel comfortable on it. It's been able to take a little bit of pressure off of him. All of a sudden, all the eyes aren't on him, able to play some better tennis. And I also think the weather conditions in Rome perhaps helped him a little bit. There was a lot of rain there, so maybe not as slippery, a little bit easier to move. But um, the confidence that he's coming in with, yeah. he should be feeling great. I don't think he's putting himself as a top favorite here, but as best as he's ever, ever felt on clay. He's putting the hard yards on clay. He was not moving that well on clay, so he worked on the sliding. That gave him the confidence to play better, and because of that, he won. Now he's got the confidence. And when he says he's playing well, you better take his word for it. He played great in Rome, and he's, he's got to be so happy where he's standing right now. And I think one of the most important parts of playing well on clay is the mindset. And it's tough to have that mindset when you don't feel like you're a good player on that surface or you don't feel as, you know, like you move as well. And that's such a strength of the Medvedev game. But he has been moving better. You mentioned the sliding. That's been huge, being able to come out of his shots. And the fact that he has won a big event now on this surface, that gives him a lot more confidence. I think that allows him to relax a little bit more and just take each match as it comes. And that could be a huge difference for Medvedev this year as well. He wouldn't have to face Djokovic or Alcaraz until the final either. Uh, this is a guy coming in the title in Rome. Leads in titles, leads in wins, leads in finals for this year. He's number one in the race. Can he finish first here at Roland Garros? We've got predictions to see if any of these experts will call Daniil Medvedev to win later in the show. Plus, three women have set themselves apart on play this year and have earned the title of top contenders. Much more still to come on TC Live. Back in Paris, it all starts Sunday. 15 straight days of glory. Tennis Channel will have more than 1,700 hours of coverage the next two weeks. And take a look at this lineup. Some all-American matchups. Jesse Pagula and Danielle Collins. Mackie McDonald and Sebi Korda. Maria Sakri, Arena Sabalenka, Ben Shelton also in action. If that doesn't make you feel all warm and fuzzy, this will. All right, come on in, Coco. Welcome. This is warm and fuzzy. Season two. Oh, you guys got renewed. 
Did I take off my shoes again, or? Who's on season one? You weren't even on the tour when season one happened. Oh, wow. But then I also see you in your underwear. Is this what? Is this how I'm starting my morning? <laughs> Would you describe Daniil Medvedev as warm and fuzzy? Probably not when I'm on the court. I ate Doritos one time. That's like the dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so fuzzy, I can take a nap right now. Nice and soothing right there. Vamos! That's a yes! Yo, what makes you happy, Ben? Should I answer serious or stupidly? I'm happy with everything. I can sit here all day. I don't know if that's healthy. I feel warm and fuzzy right now. Are you f***ing with me, Maria? I'm not. Magic tennis ball. Will Paula Bedosa win a Grand Slam? This is warm and fuzzy. I love it. Falcon, let's go. Quick. Get back. Is there security here? <laughs> it's the most comfortable I felt during the interview. That's so good. Can't wait to see those. The man himself, Michael Costa, will join us next weekend here on the desk to talk about those warm and fuzzy segments, his tennis background, that's right, and much, much more. Well, a reminder that Tennis.com is the best way to keep up with everything throughout Roland Garros. Follow the men's and women's draws as well as live full match replays on TennisChannel.com. Download the app or visit the website now. You don't want to miss drama like this Luca Pui moment from qualifying. We'll be back to discuss the women's field when TC Live returns from Paris. Welcome back to TC Live from Roland Garros, presented by Luke Net. Last year, Iga Swiatek raised the trophy here for a second time, dropping just seven games in the semis and final combined. So now a three-time major champ, the world number one returns as one of three women who have conquered the clay court season so far. Let's go inside the press room, starting with Fiance. Is that easy getting injured and having no kind of time to, um, like, having in the back of your mind that you have a tournament next week, you know? But on the other hand, I'm pretty happy that I have this extra few more days off because for sure I needed time to reset. I actually, after I won Australia, I thought that it's going to be easier, but it's not easier the same. Uh, I mean, it's the same. I, I still have to bring my best tennis, and, uh, uh, and uh, the thing that I have for uh, one grand slam in my, in my pocket, it's not going to help me to win this one. You know, everyone will come and try, um, try to beat me, so I have to bring my best tennis every time I'm on the court. Overall, we're trying to improve all the aspects of the game, and slowly, uh, I think it's a lot still to work, but uh, everything is going in the right direction. All right, take a look at the FanDuel odds on the women's side, Chandy. You've been making picks all year long. What do you think of it? I think these are, are pretty spot on. Obviously, Iga Swiatek is the heavy favorite still, regardless of maybe whatever nicks and things she may be feeling. She's been so dominant on this surface, but Sabalenka right behind her on her heels. She has certainly got a good shot, and Elena Rybakina as well, who's been so impressive with a big win at a 1,000 on this surface. Don't forget, though, Krejcikova, Ostapenko, Jabur, Krejcikova, and Ostapenko. They've won here before. They know what it takes, and we're still kind of waiting to see where Jabur's form will be. She got started really nicely on the green play, but still trying to have it translate here onto the uh, onto the red dirt. John has made his way up from uh, right next to Court Philippe Chatrier to the desk. Great to have you up here, John. Last year, Iga came in on a 28-match win streak, took it to 35, but this year she has lost to her main competition, the other members of that women's big three in Madrid and Rome. What's your confidence level with Iga Swiatek right yeah, now? Yeah, that's, that's a great comparison. Less than last year. I mean, last year she was in that horrible position of hers to lose, Iga against the field. She's still the favorite, but not against the field. And she's coming off two consecutive losses, not only two losses, but two losses to her two rivals. Uh, very interesting set of circumstances. Still the favorite. She's won this two of the last three years, but there are some question marks here. Yeah, I think the less pressure may be helpful for Iga. Um, her biggest concern was her health, which uh, I think she kind of preempted uh, getting worse by, by defaulting and not, not playing through in Rome. So maybe not as much confidence, but again, a lot less pressure. And so that might actually free her up a little bit. And that forehand is still so massive on this stuff. And she's the best mover of, of, mm. on the, in the field, period. Never mind, she's the, the favorites. So yeah, you still have to go with her. She does have to make at least the quarterfinals here to remain number one in the world. Otherwise, Arena Sabalenka takes that top spot, winning the Australian Open this year. 
She's never made it past the third round here, Martina. Is this the year that she finally makes at least the second week? Well, she should, uh, and she knows that. Uh, and as she said, you know, winning yeah, gives me a little bit of confidence, but, then every, but she's a big scalp for everybody else as well. But I think she's believing now that she can win on the surface as well as the other ones. And having that major title to your name, she doesn't have to answer that question anymore, so that takes a lot of stress off. And she looks pretty strong and healthy. So, yeah, she should make the second week. I, I picked her to get to the finals. We'll talk about that later. But uh, you never know with her, but she's been a lot more consistent. And she definitely has, has switched it in, in the head. She's much more consistent there, which is why her tennis is much more consistent as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I think she has that added belief because she's won a major title, and it was so long in coming for Sabalenka. She was one of the best players that had yet to win a major until this year. So I think that helps, although this is a completely different surface, different conditions. She did win on the red clay in Madrid, but things were a lot faster. So here she's got to work the points a little bit more. She's got to be just a little bit more patient. But still for Sabalenka, her go-to game is the power game. So can she manage that balance? You match in and match out. I think she's definitely the favorite to get to the final, but she's got some some speed bumps in her way, and it will not be easy if she gets to that stage, but she's still certainly got to like her chances here this year. And you say speed bumps. One of them comes very early. She plays Marta Kostyak, and Sabalenka was asked about it yesterday. Kostyak, a Ukrainian player, has been very outspoken. Sabalenka from Belarus. They basically already vowed they're not going to shake hands. I wonder having that sort of friction in your very first match, that's either something that gets you right into the tournament and focused, or that's a real sort of distraction for a player we're talking about as one of the favorites. That should be interesting to see that first rounder. Uh, th then we have Elena Rybakina, and in less than the calendar year, she's won Wimbledon on the grass, and then she's won a couple thousand level events, hard courts at Indian Wells, and then, of course, the clay at Rome. I mean, she says, no matter the surface, I can beat anyone. Chanda, what stands out most to you about her game? Yeah, I think it's, it's that fast she can, and I think she's gotten so much more confidence it's very understated in Rabakina. You know, she's not out there. She doesn't really, you know, uh, announce herself necessarily week in and week out. But she does it with how well she plays. And I think the fact that she won a big event on the right play, I mean, that gives her such a boost. When you are a power player and you realize that you can extend rallies, you can stay in points a little bit longer to get it done on the clay, I mean, your game just grows by leaps and bounds. So I think for Rabakina, she's in that space. Uh, and I think that makes her very dangerous on this surface. She has got a beautiful backhand, the forehand she's got a little more time on, so she's able to produce some bigger shots uh, on this surface, and then you add the serve to the mix. So she, I think, is definitely one of those contenders, but she's on that same half with Fiontek. Right. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah, I think her game is similar to Medvedev. Neither one really had the best game for Clay, but they both became believers by winning. And, and moving better. And, uh, yeah, she's got to have a lot more confidence now. Uh, she's moving a lot better. The serve is still a massive weapon. And and the biggest thing, as Chanda said earlier, on clay is the belief. If you don't think you can win on clay, you will not win. You cannot fake your way through a, a clay court match. But she's got solid, solid strokes on both sides. And, uh, and now she's got the belief as well. Before winning Wimbledon, her signature win... She beat Serena Williams here on this big stadium. That was sort of her, her mark on the tennis world. And she can play on clay. She's also winning Rome has more predictive value at this event than yep. Madrid. Madrid's in altitude, and sometimes the conditions get a little shaky. I mean, Rome usually tells us who's going to do yep. well here. So coming off that title, I think, is really significant. The transition from Rome to here. I read your article on the WTA's website. You like her transition game as well, the That's best of yeah. the big three. You mentioned the matchup against Fiontek. She's 3-0 and against Iga this year. They could meet the semifinals. A lot of confidence for Elena Rabakina and a lot more still to get to. Here on our TC Live preview show, we revisit Yannick Noah's wild ride from 40 years ago. You don't want to miss a celebration for the ages that had an entire nation on its feet. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With his dreadlocks swaying and the ball popping off his string, Yannick Noah didn't so much win the 1983 French Open as he owned it. The French have not saluted a champion in their own tennis event since 1946. Before then, it had been 38 years since a French male had won the country's home major. And zoot allures did the streak get snapped with Parisian style. I can't believe it. At the time, Noah's story was already hardening into tennis lore. He grew up in Cameroon, where his father had played soccer. Arthur Ashe had spotted Yannick, then 11, while on a goodwill tour. Struck by the kid's athleticism and flair, Ashe suggested that the French Federation harvest his talent. Noah moved to France, mother country of his mother, and trained in Paris, often at Roland Garros. Early in Noah's pro career, he was a fan favorite. But it was as much for his appearance and expressiveness and personality as a young pro he attended lectures and philosophy at the Sorbonne and played in a reggae band as it was for his tennis. Before the 1983 French Open, Noah, then 23, had never been beyond the quarterfinals of a major. Yet for a magical two weeks, he played the best tennis of his career. If other French players have been paralyzed by nerves at Roland Garros, to Noah, the familiarity was not a source of pressure, but a pressure valve, a release. Bringing to bear a cassoulet of touch and style and power stemming from his six-foot-four-inch frame, he dropped just one set the entire tournament. And that was to Yvonne Lendl, a world-beater who would win the event the following year. In the final, Noah faced the previous winner, Max Wielander. I wanted to win so bad, Noah said beforehand, it doesn't matter how I play, just so I win. Well, he played great, hitting through Wielander and winning 6-2-7-5-7-6. After Wielander overtook the forehand on match points, fans stormed the court as if it were the Bastille, picking a tableau from some college football upset. Instantly, Noah was a full-force celebrity and national icon. He would never win another major. The trajectory of his career, Noah's mark as it were, would never again reach this peak. As he once put it to a French journalist years later, quote, at Roland Garros, I gave everything, and I had achieved my goal, my dream, and after I managed it, I didn't have any other dreams. I think Arthur is watching us right now. He is watching. Just as Noah never won big again, no French male has since won at Roland Garros. Noah is the first to say he'd be thrilled to see his moment overtaken, to witness the streak snapped. But with each year that passes, 40 now and counting, it adds to the sense of mythology and magic for what Noah achieved. Incredible stuff. Yannick Noah did win the Roland Garros doubles title the next year with Henri Lacan. Take a look at this, Martina. Do you recognize Pierre and Patrick? Yes, I do. I know I know them both. I go way back. Uh, and in fact, they're the one married a tennis player from Mexico. Uh, from Mexico. Anyhow, uh, yeah, the French uh, French history is, is pretty big. What, what do you remember uh, about Yannick knowing that title run 40 years oh, ago? Oh man, he he served in volley. He won with a with a wood, you know the wooden racket. Uh, the kick serve was kicking like crazy. I cannot imagine what he would be doing with these rackets. But uh, he he won at the net. He you know his ground strokes are not much to talk about. Technique was a bit dicey, but man, he he willed himself to win this this tournament and. Uh, 
It was magic. I was, I was crying. Prakash, I feel like this is your kind of guy. I mean, he's, he's an absolute rock star, yep. and he's a legitimate rock star, yep. like, figuratively and literally. Well, it, look, it, it was everything about him. I mean, first, let's talk about the tennis there. The, Martina, the serve and volley that he was able to do on clay, the way he wore his clothing, the way he was able to elicit emotion from the crowd. I mean, this was a true man of the people. I think that's what made this title all the more special. You saw the way everyone mobbed him out there. I mean, it looked like, it looked like one of the great moments from Pele's life mm -hmm. as well. And then also, I think it's worth noting that so many tennis players, you know, you, you have your great glory here and you continue being able to give back to the sport after tennis, but a lot don't necessarily have that, that, that second chapter, something completely different. And Noah went on to become such a rock star and just have swarms of people come to listen to his music and he enthralled people that way. To be able to recreate yourself as an artist that way, just exceptional, a real gift to friends, to everyone. Yeah, and had the son, Joakim Noah, who went on to be an, yeah. an NBA star Big as ball. well. Uh, listen, the, the last French player to win this tournament uh, was Mary Pierce, 2000. Last French player to win any major, Marion Bartoli. That was 10 years ago at Wimbledon. John, what, what does uh, this country need to do to get uh, another title here? Take a deep breath there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Have, have you seen the draw? I mean, there, there's not a single French male seated. Um, it's a globalized sport. You know, th this is not an up period for French tennis. They had a nice little run with Monfils and Gasquet and then Gilles Simon and Sanga. We're not there right now, but fortunes change quickly in this sport. And again, I think one thing that Noah did that you talked about, Prakash, he really used the crowd, and there is a history of French players just being overwhelmed. It's their big event, it's yep. their Super Bowl, the crowds here are very vocal, there's a lot of pressure. Noah used that to his advantage, and I'm not sure. I think that as much as harvesting talent and as, as far as youth development, I think getting these French players in the draw to use the crowd and not be intimidated by it, I think that's really critical. With Carlos Alcaraz and Holger Runa turning 20, the only two teenagers in the top 100 right now are Frenchmen, Luca Van Asha and Arthur Fies, who's, by the way, in a final Lyon today. So the future is bright for French men's tennis. And, and Caroline Garcia, top five player, she is the top ranked French player overall and has a lot of pressure on her shoulders coming into this tournament. A lot more still to get to here on TC Live. We will preview the Americans, including Coco Golf, who made her first major final at Roland Garros last year. So is it her time to raise a Grand Slam trophy? Our experts let you know. TC Live from Roland Garros, presented by LoopNet. 35 American men and women in the Roland Garros singles main draw. That's the most since 1995. Here are the seeded Americans, led on the men's side by Taylor Fritz, on the women's side by Jesse Pagula. Coco Goff did a great job making the final here last year. Got here early, said she was the third person in the locker room. Prakash, how do you see her doing this year? Gosh, I mean, she's she's had a rough go of it coming in here, and I think a lot of people have spotted some technical issues that she's she's been trying to sort out. She's trying to flatten that forehand out a little bit, gets gets a little late on it, and usually on the clay she has a bit more time, and when she's feeling confident with it, it works like she did last year. But now just not winning as many matches. She's she's lost a couple of matches with some six love sets in there. So. I think she's just got to be able to find that confidence, maybe work her way into the tournament a little bit, perhaps let the success from last year not be pressure for her, but give her a little bit of confidence. Tough draw, though. She's got youngster Mira Andreva Kalinina in her section, so got to just take it one match at a time. That's some crisp forehands. She's played three clay events and won three matches. Uh, that's not what we're looking for from her. She said she's between coaches. That's how she... Paraphrase it. She's also with Patrick Mortaglu again, who was with her earlier in her career. So a, a lot going on there behind the scenes. On the other hand, she did reach the finals last year. She's the sixth seed. She still seems like she's got a nice attitude yesterday. We'll see. She said she felt more at ease when she arrived in Paris than the previous tournaments this season. Headspace is very important. What do you expect to see from Coco? It's tremendously important, you know, the mindset and how you come into a big event. And I think the fact that golf did so well last year, getting to that final, she's going to feel just a little more joy, a little more confidence because of it. But I think there's also the flip side to it, which is her not quite getting in the matches she would have liked, having some losses that were a bit tough in the lead-up weeks. I think, you know, the difficult part for golf right now is the topsy-turvy -tur nature of you know, her situation off court, when you have to bring a new coach in, even one that you've been with in the past, you're changing what your what your situation has been. 
compared to where it's been in the past. And I think that always is a little tougher uh, going into a major. And I think the biggest part of golf's forehand, we talk a lot about it. You know, it's a side that she's so aware of, that she's constantly working to try to get going. I think that starts to affect her backhand, which is a huge weapon. The serve, that's a big weapon. And I think, you know, when you're focused so much on one side, that is a little bit of an issue. It takes away from those other areas. So I think that's something she's got to get over mentally as well. But hopefully those first couple of matches, she can work her way into the draw. That's going to be key. And as you mentioned, Prakash, it's not going to be easy. Coco's doubles partner, fellow top tenor in singles and doubles, is Jessie Pagula. She's been the top-ranked American in the world for quite some time now, but has not gotten past the quarterfinals at a major yet. John, uh, what can she do to get over that hump? Hasn't gotten past the quarterfinals. On the other hand, she gets there four times in the last five events, and this is the next step for her. I mean, her ascent has really been remarkable, given where she was just a few years ago. You know, she, she's the third seed. We saw on that odds board she's not among the first six picks, so she's got a little something to prove. Tough first-round match against Danielle Collins, a tough player, but also tough dynamics. But are we overlooking her, guys? I, perhaps. Look, I, she made the quarters here last year. She's obviously capable of, of winning matches here. I, you look at her draw, her whole section, she does have that tough match against Danielle Collins, but I don't think anyone that's that's going to blow her off the court there. I like these seeds. Elise Mertens is in her section. She gets through that. It could be a Potapova or Samsonova after that. And, and Jesse's probably the favorite in all of these matches. So if she can get off to a good start, she should be winning these matches. Mm -hmm. Maria Sakari is in that section. Mm -hmm. We'll have to see if she gets there. She's got a pretty tough draw herself. But um, I like Jesse's chances if she picks up a little momentum to make it all the way to the semis. I, I believe in Jesse. She's 4-0 against Danielle Collins, and most recently is Miami. So I'm not as worried about that matchup. Well, we'll see what happens. On the men's side, 13 American men in the top 100. We've got two in the top 12. Taylor Fritz comes in, semifinals in Geneva. Chanda lost a tough three-setter yesterday. Never been past the third round here. In fact, five and six. But, but now he's a top 10 player. Does that change this year? I think, you know, it's the opportunity that Fritz has with having, you know, some match wins under his belt, gaining a little bit of confidence, maybe just in the nick of time. And he's one of those guys that if he has the right mindset, if he's going after his shots, if he feels a little bit confident, he can be dangerous. I think the draw is a decent one for him where he can work his way into things. But certainly that's part of this red clay where you get try to get those matches, try to get the confidence and try to take that from one match to the next and just focus on each match at a time. I think that's going to be the key for Fritz. And we've seen him, Prakash, throughout the clay court season kind of change some some tactics, move further back on returns, and it's proved to be successful. Yeah, Taylor's one of those guys who he doesn't mind changing stuff even in the middle of a match. And he's, he's a real thinker out there. He's been problem-solving a lot better, and he's got those massive weapons. When he's hitting his first serve and his forehand well, it's about as big as anyone on the tour. And he's finding his way to be able to move here on the clay. He stuck it out. He has stayed here in Europe the whole time, which shows a lot of mental commitment to wanting to get comfortable on this surface. I think there's no reason why he can't have a deep run on this stuff. Totally agree. Francis Tiafo, let's talk about him, John. Won his second title, first on clay earlier this year in Houston. Different type of red clay, but it's still red clay. What do you expect to see from Big Foe? Well, head on one side of the net, heart on the other. Um, you know, this is his eighth time playing at Roland Garros. He's won one match here coming in. Um, he did win Houston, so, you know, we've, we've got some green shoots, we've got some rays of optimism, but uh, Francis is a tough first-rounder in Krajinovic, and again, the track record here, not great. On the other hand, you know, number 12 in the world, he's a couple of points, not ranking points, points points from cracking the top 10, so with the clay title in Houston, keep an eye on him. Plenty of room for growth, right, Jenna? Absolutely, and I think he's another one of those guys. We talk about mindset, how important that is on the red clay. He's one of those guys that maybe hasn't been as confident, hasn't looked forward to the red clay as much. Hopefully that can change a bit coming into Roland Garros with that win um, on the clay in Houston. It's been a little tough recent weeks for Fo. I think, in terms of just the freshness. So hopefully he's had a chance to reset. But I think that's going to be key if he's ready to go. And if he just has that positive energy, which is so important in his game anyway, regardless of the surface. Look, I said this at the start of the clay court season, so I cannot change my tune now, John. I got to stick to it. I'm expecting some great stuff from Francis on the clay. He won in Houston. He feels comfortable on this stuff. He has no problem sort of gutting out matches because he likes when you get into the fight there. But
quite frankly, I, as I'm sure he has too, been disappointed with his run over here in Europe. I don't think he's done as well as his game allows him to. Uh, he lost a brutal one with Musetti, sort of let the crowd, the situation with the rain get to him. So hopefully he can kind of shake that all off. We all know he's a big match player. He loves the big scene. So hopefully he can use that. Kranovic, yes, tough, tough first round. But Zverev is his seed in the section. Still not Zverev we know just mm. yet. So perhaps the ability to still, still make some good stuff happen at this clay court season. By the way, if the viewers haven't noticed, Prakash has sat in three of the four seats on this desk thus far. Which is the, uh, which is the most comfy? What do you well, like best? We, we, we've established that I, I'm terrible on the do side. And I knew that when I played two. So they stuck me back on the ad side where at least I can do a little something with that back end. There's only okay. one seat left, though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, come, come on. I, you're welcome to sit in the seat. You're the quarterback. We, yeah. I just catch the ball over here. I'd be happy to do some analysis for you make some protein picks later in the show that's what's on the way our experts making their predictions who's winning and why find out next TC Live from Roland Garros, presented by Lutnet. And 14 years ago, Roger Federer won his first and only title at Roland Garros. Look at the emotions. Taking up Robin Soderling in the final. It was his 14th Grand Slam singles title, tying Pete Sampras for the most at the time. Who knew that Robin at all would one day have 14 titles just at Roland Garros? And get this, at the F1 race in Miami a few weeks ago, Roger was mistaken for Rafa. He told the story on Twitter. Uh, a man came up to him and said, Can I have a picture with you, Mr. Nadal? I told him I wasn't Mr. Nadal. He apologized and left without taking a picture. How would you play that out? He you do so the Nadal accident. He was so close to a picture with 20-plus grand slams. Yeah. Right there. It's almost as bad as the guy asking the queen to take a picture of him with, with, with another person. <laughs> Not knowing it was the queen. This is almost as bad as that. And how nice to see that Mr. Nadal is, yeah. you know, just so kind, but just a little off. I apologize. I am not Rafa. Okay, sorry. I'm on my way. My life is bad. Oh, Maria, can I take a picture with you? I'm like, I've been called worse. <laughs> That's, that would have been a great response, right? Oh, well. That fan, hopefully now he knows. He, he was he was with other greatness in Roger Federer. Speaking of greatness, it's that time in the show. We're making predictions, and we are picking the finalists, starting on the women's side. John, who are your women's finalists? It would be so boring to go with the favorite. Uh, how do you like this one? I'm going to go with Sabalenka, who's been playing very well this year, won the title in Madrid. How about... Barbara Krajikova, a little up and have we forgotten that she won this event two years ago? She's already beaten Iga, who's in her pocket of the draw, already beat her in Dubai. I'm going off the board here. You guys take the favorite, play it safe, have your safety harness. That's all well and good. I'm going a little upset here. I think Krajikova beats Iga. Okay, great Krajikova, former champion Roland Garros. What do you think, Shannon? I feel very seen by John right now. I'm going with the favorite, of course, Iga Shviantek. Uh, I think, you know, she's going to find the form. She's just been incredible on this surface in the biggest matches, and that's certainly what we have here. And I think uh, it will be Sabalenka in the final, which would be huge because she has never gotten close to that place before um, at this event. She's got some stumbling blocks. We talked about that early in the show, but I think she may get through this year. I think it's the year of Sabalenka. Oh, the year of Sabalenka. And then we would see for the third time on clay, Shviantek. Sabalenka, the rubber match between those two. Who do you have for the women's yeah, final? I, I mean, I, I feel seen also. I, I like your pick though, with Krejcikova. I think she's playing much better and haven't been there. But still, I try really hard to find somebody other than Shiontek and Sabalenka, and I couldn't. So I'm, I'm going with the favorites. Wow. All right. Rebunking them. That's what I'm saying. I, I, I go Rebunking Dark Horse. Massive yeah. Dark Horse. She's beaten Shiontek three times. I would say Rebunking a Sabalenka. But we'll see. All right, Chanda. Men's finalists, who do you have? Okay, so I just feel like we've got to put some respect on Djokovic's name. I'm picking him. It, of course, would be um, against Alcaraz in the semis. If they both get that far, that would be a tough one. But I think Djokovic, he just has that experience. I'm picking him for the final. And on the other side, I think Runa's playing some terrific tennis. So I'm going with Djokovic-Runa. Djokovic-Runa. Martina, what do you think? I'm going with Djokovic as well. I think three out of five, big difference. And for that reason, I'm not going to Runa because he Tired to me in Rome after a set and a half, and that's why I'm going to Medina. 
Okay. Daniil Medvedev, Novak Djokovic, more more the, the veterans. John? I, I like the top seed. I like the youngster. Um, Alcaraz just has that register of power that I don't think other players have. He's coming off two clay titles. A little bit of a fluke win, but it's not that you, know, you lose to a guy outside the top 100. On the one hand, it you know, gives you a sense of mortality. It, also, it doesn't lodge in your head. It's not a guy you're likely to face again. And then for the other side, I like clay court specialist Russian sandbagger Daniil Medvedev. Uh, coming off that Rome title, that told me a lot. I think, too, I think, I think Rudel looked a little bit tired by the end of Rome. I think Medvedev, as much as he downplays his play, and he's actually, yesterday in media day, he was pretty open about how he felt better. I, I think oh, Medvedev did him a Did final. you just go for the top two seeds, John? Did you, you like just, that? Yeah. 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 22, 22 time major champions. We see you. We see you. All right, we're even. One man, one woman. We're there you even go. Now. Only one of the three picked Carlitos Alcaraz, who is the betting favorite here, but, you know, I, 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 I like Djokovic as well, getting to that final again. Medvedev. Now we're going long shot, Martina. So this is not to, to win or make the final or anything like that, but an unseated player to reach the round of 16. Who do you have? I almost went for Mukova against Sakari, and then the draw would ease up a little bit. But I went with Anna Kalinskaya, uh, a really promising player. She's been working with Patricia Tarabini, a former player who couldn't crack an egg, and because of that, she had to figure out how to win, and she's been a really great influence on Kalinskaya. So that's my dark pick. Beat, beat Rubakin in Madrid. I I like that pick, Marty. What, what do you have, Jenna? You know, I'm going to give Sloane Stevens a little bit of love. She's been playing some terrific tennis. She is finding form, and this would be a perfect time. She knows how to get deep into this event. She can transition onto every surface. She's got the weapons, the mindset. That's going to be the question. But I think right out of the gate, we'll see what's going on with Stevens because she's got Carolina Pliskova. So she can get through that. The other seed would be uh, Zhang Chenwen, which would be another tough one for her. But I think she's got it in her. So we'll see. Guess what? Two, two years ago here, in the second round, she beat Carolina Pliskova in straight sets. Put some respect on Sloan <laughs> Stevens' name. John, who is your uh, unseated player to I reach like the fourth you're round? I thinking that once you score one of these big wins, the draw opens up for you. And I like Mukhova to beat Sakari, and then things really open up. How Mukhova is not seated is just remarkable. She's had some injuries. And Sakari, I'm done well, reached a semi here two years ago, but has had trouble Closing, and I think Mukova's wins that match, and then I think after that, she's got some real momentum. That's not even just uh, an unseeded player to reach the round of 16. That's a massive upset. Pick. Beat a six seed in their first match. Then the draw opens, though. Sakri, like losing first round. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think Mukova, she is, you know, an interesting player because, you know, she can play great. She attacks. She can put players under pressure. That could really work against Sakri. How Sakri plays her first match out of the yeah. game will be a question. So, I think it's a solid pick. I like it, John. All right, mark it all down. These are your expert predictions, but we still have more. The man who's been on every seat except for this one on the desk is coming up next. Prakash Amitraz has his protein predictions. He's been, been drinking that shake all show long. That's what we got coming up when we return to Tennis Channel Live from Roland Garros, presented by Lutnet. These scenes in Paris never get old. A reminder, it is not too late to enter Tennis Channel's Racket Racket Contest. Make your picks before the start of play on Wednesday for a chance to win great prizes, including $50,000 jackpots for filling out perfect men's or women's brackets. Enter now by scanning the QR code on your screen or at tennis.com slash play. As we welcome you back onto our FanDuel Tennis Channel desk, as promised... Prakash Amitraj is back on the far left side to make the protein predictions. You want to hear him, Steve? You ready? Yes. I'm ready. You're going to do all three. You're going to do the men's finalists, the women's finalists, and your dark horse. In that order? Yeah. Go okay. for it. Ladies and gentlemen, we got <laughs> 300 grams of pure Wagyu in these protein picks for you. We're going to start with the men's, and I'm going with greatness on the top side. I think Novak Djokovic is playing for something a little bit more than everyone else is playing for in this field. I think this is where he could possibly get 23. I'd like him to get past that opening side. Uh, I'd love to see that match against Alcaraz, but I do think Djokovic is going to come through. Bottom half, I think it's going to be Runa. 
think the boy's a bad boy. He's got a lot of dog in him, and we've seen that the last few weeks. So those are my men's picks. On the women's side of things, I don't think Iga's going to make it into the final. I think it's going to be Rubakina. She has been playing unbelievable tennis. She grew up on clay, so there's no reason why she shouldn't feel comfortable on this stuff. We saw it in Rome, and I think she'll take on Sabalenka, who doesn't seem like she's going to be that troubled in the bottom half if she continues playing the high level of tennis that she's been playing. She really has seemed like the best player this year. And my dark horse to be able to do a little bit of damage is the big Chilean. The guy plays very well on this stuff. Nico Jerry has picked up some good wins in the last few weeks. Took out Borna Choric in Monte Carlo, beat Kasparud in Geneva. And uh, the boy won in Santiago earlier this year. This kid can play. He pushed uh, Carlos Alcaraz three sets in Rio. So um, I think he might be able to get out of that Tommy Paul, Jan Leonard Struth section. 300 grams of uh, pure wagyu beef. Pure wagyu beef. That's in my protein that's a lot, and that's expensive. Is this American wagyu or is this Japanese? I mean, you know. Either way. <laughs> Japanese is better, is that right? It's, it's more expensive. That's where it's starting. Okay, there you go. Well, we throw some caviar in there as well. These are our featured matches. It all gets underway Sunday, 5 a.m. Eastern, right here on Tennis Channel. Some good stuff. How about Big Ben Shelton, the NCAA champion, now a seeded player here at Roland Garros? Spectacular stuff. We also have the All-American matchup of Mackie McDonald, Seb Korda, Seb Korda quarterfinalist at the Australian Open. But then he had the injury, came back, hasn't won a match since then. Uh, what do you make of this matchup? I, I, I hope Seb Korda comes through. It's been a disappointing year for him. I just hope he's healthy and we can, well, he can play up to his potential again. He, he laughed, Prakash, when I posted that thing on my Instagram yesterday with working at pregame and like Prakash. <laughs> he sent me on Instagram the laughing emoji. Uh, what, what do you have here? Well, I don't know if he was laughing at you or me. Maybe yeah, I don't know. Laughing at both of us. But Seb Korda got us so excited at the beginning of the year, the way he was playing, almost beat Djokovic in the lead-up to Australia, and then, of course, beat Medvedev there, really adding more elements to his game, coming in as well. Let's not forget, this is where he had his first big breakout, where he made the round of 16 here at the French, knows how to play on this stuff. It's a matter of time before he finds his rhythm. I think it could happen here. All right, uh, on the women's side, our first match up is going to be Arena Sabalenka and Marta Kostyuk, Martina and Pam, the, the Grand Slam heroes will, will, will be the double squad of all time. We'll be on the call for that one. Uh, it, and there's going to be some tension in this match as well. What do you think? Yeah, I think this could be a fun matchup, though. I mean, obviously, you've got the political side with Kostyuk and Sabalenka being Belarusian. We'll see kind of how that plays out. Uh, maybe it gives Kostyuk a little more motivation uh, as well to play good tennis. But I think this is a matchup that will be comfortable for Sabalenka. She's going to get enough pace to deal with and add her own MPHs to uh, the equation. And I don't think Kostyuk can be quite as consistent as she needs to be with the power, and that's something Sabalenka has improved tremendously uh, in that department, and I think she's going to come through that one. You know, every time Ukrainians play the Russians, Belarusians, it's more than just a tennis game. There's a lot of emotions. It's like their personal Olympics. So, uh, a little bring a little extra to the game, but uh, as good as Kostyuk is, I don't think she's got the weapons to beat Sabalenka. All right, that, that gets you ready for 15 days of tennis. Keep it locked bright and early right here on Tennis Channel. 5 a.m. Eastern, it gets underway. And every single day until further notice, we are your destination for the year's second major. Right here from Paris, we've got you covered. And it all starts at 5 a.m. Eastern Sunday with Arena Sabalenka and Marta Kostyuk. With Pam Schreiber and Martina Navratilova on the call. For John Wertheim, for Kasha Amitraj, Martina Navratilova, Chanda Rubin, and our entire team, I'm Steve Weissman. Thank you so much for joining us on TC Live.